state. We'll start there and then over into Judges chapter 2. Tonight is very much on the same theme as this morning and over these weeks. Uh, tonight's message is another generation, another opportunity for faith. So let's pray together, amen, as we come around God's word tonight. Heavenly Father, we just bow before you tonight. We thank you for the privilege again to open your precious word Lord, we pray in Jesus' name for your anointing tonight upon your word. Anoint ears to hear hearts. Lord, we pray that we'd be tender, but Lord, lives that are willing. Lord, make us willing, oh God, to lay these lives before you tonight. God, we ask for the power of your spirit to come upon us. We pray for a fresh anointing upon your people, fresh faith in our hearts Lord, we pray, O oh God, tonight that you would anoint your word for everyone that would listen in. Lord, would you undertake for the preaching of your precious word tonight. For where your gospel goes forth across the land, we pray again, Lord. Lord, would you anoint it, Lord. Oh God, would you use it and we, would you glorify your name through the preaching of your precious word. Lord, we do remember, Lord, the drive-in on Friday night with Brother John Weir out of Dow Patrick. Lord, would you bless him? Would you anoint him? Lord, we pray you'd be with Ronnie and Jane, Lord, and all those that would labor to put it together, undertake for them, we pray, and souls, precious souls, would be saved to the glory of Jesus. So tonight, Lord, would you speak to your hearts? Lord, would you come, and Lord, would you move by your Spirit? Lord, we pray, asking these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Luke chapter 18 and verse 8. It's just the last part of that verse there. Luke 18 and verse 8. When the Son of Man cometh, the Bible says, shall he find faith <clears throat> upon the earth. When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith upon earth. The earth, and then we go back in tonight to Judges chapter two, verse seven. Uh, if you turn over in the Judges chapter two and verse seven, we're 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 seeing a crossover between generations, a generation uh, that had seen the great wonders and works of the Lord, and a, another generation that would rise up. Judges chapter two and verse seven, and the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being a hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnaharis, in the Mount of Ephraim on the side of the hill Gaash. And also all that generation were gathered together unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them, and bowed themselves unto them, and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord, and served Baal and Astaroth, and the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he delivered them into the hands of spoilers and spoiled them and sold them into the hands of their enemies round about so that they could no, not any longer stand before their enemy. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them. 
and they were greatly distressed. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. You know, the fathers of the faith here functioned and operated on the basis of the faith that of their father and on the basis of the promise that was given. We see with Abraham, we looked at it last week in Romans 4 and 21, that he being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able, he was able also to perform. When God's people, the fathers of the this generation that rose up that knew not the great works of the Lord and deserted and departed from the Lord, when when the fathers had entered in and when they went in by faith to that land, they were functioning and operating on the promise that had been given. They led hold of the word of the Lord. They led hold of the promises of God. And on that basis that was given to their fathers, they operated in faith, and, and faith functioned as in a living reality as they went in to conquer that land. Right back as far as Genesis 13, verses 14 and 15, when the Lord spake unto Abraham and said, For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. That was a promise that God had given to Abraham. And it was on the basis of that promise that generations after him, after the father of the faith, could lay hold of that promise. Every generation that followed after Abraham had the potential to lay hold of the promise that was given to Abraham and to enter into all that God had promised him. And so every generation that came had the potential, had the possibility if they entered in by faith to the word of God, if they laid hold of the promise that God had given, if they rose up no matter how dark or how dismal the whole spiritual climate may have been, but if they laid hold of God's word and by that alone that they would enter into that that land and enter into the promise that God had given, then that promise would become a reality in their generation. So when the promise was given, that God has given them it. As we looked at that Hebrew word this morning, the word Nathan simply means to give. When God had given them it, when the spies, for example, came out in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 7, it says that they speak unto the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight on us, he will bring us into his land and give and give it us a land which flows with milk and honey. In other words, when they were asked to view the land and when they brought the report back, what they were quoting was what what the promise had been to Abraham. What God had said, he was also able to perform. Even though that word had been given many years before, the word of the Lord standed true. God was still the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He does not change. And so every generation had the potential. It was in the potential of every generation that was born after Abraham to lay hold of that promise that God had made to Israel that this is your land, I have given it. But this land must be possessed by faith. 
And so in every generation that was to come after Abraham, like the spies, when they went into that land, yes, there was giants, yes, yes, there was fenced cities, but when they let hold of the promise of the Lord that God had given them the land, then they could enter in by faith and possess it. And so we see that the Lord would speak to Israel to encourage them in this way, to encourage them to enter into all that he had for them. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, if you turn over to it for a moment, we know this is after the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, and now they were about to embark on the conquest. And Deuteronomy 28 and verse 10, All the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord. They shall be afraid of thee. The Lord shall make thee plenteous and goods in the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the fruit of thy ground, and the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee. So here now we are seeing a repeat of the promise and the blessing of the Lord if God's people would rise up by faith and the potential was to enter into the fullness of what God had for them. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give thee rain unto thy land and his season, to bless all the work of thine hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. Everything would be supplied. God, God's work, God's way would not lack any of God's supply. Everything of what you require for the need, for the journey, for the, for the purposes of God, God is saying, if you enter into it, you'll not have to borrow, you'll not have to beg, but I will bless that work and I will bless it abundantly with the treasures of heaven. And the Lord shall make thee the head, not the tail. Thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. If thou that hearken unto the commandment of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day, to observe and to do them, and thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day, to the right or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. Then the Lord is saying, I will give you this land. I will bless the work. I will bless the ground. I will give you the good treasure of heaven. I will pour out of the rain from heaven. You will not have to borrow because I will provide everything for you as you enter in into that land. And so we see that there were some principles in faith as they would enter in, there were some principles that was applied to their lives, to those that would, that would enter in and they would claim the promises of God and they would enter into the full inheritance that God had for them. If you go back to the beginning of the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 1, we'll touch on a couple of these well-known men that, that, that followed the Lord, that entered into the inheritance that God had for them. But in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 35, the Bible says, speaking of that generation of unbelievers, the generation that could not enter in because of unbelief in their hearts, the Lord said, Surely there shall not be one of these men of this evil generation to see that good land, which I swear to give to your fathers. Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it. And to him will I give the land that he hath trodden upon unto his children. And here is a key into the, into the victory of that faith. Because he hath wholly followed the Lord. He completely gave himself to following after the purposes of God. 
That potential was there for that whole generation. Everyone that was born after Abraham had the potential in Israel to lay hold of that covenant promise that God had made with Abraham, to lay hold of that promise and to fully follow or wholly follow after the Lord and enter into the fullness of that and claim that promise. Not just Joshua and Caleb, but it was there for everyone to enter into. But sadly, there were so many with an unbelieving heart that did not see the good land that the Lord had promised. If you turn to Numbers uh, chapter 32 and verse 11, we read again similar to that of Deuteronomy 1. But in Numbers 32 and verse 11, the Lord speaking again, Surely none of the men that come up out of Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall see the land which I swear on the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenazite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed, they have wholly followed the Lord. When these men simply took God at his word, like we read in Romans, that he was fully persuaded that what God had promised, God was also able to perform that God was able to do it if they would put their faith, their trust wholly in God and his ability and believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, then God would be no disappointment that God was more than able to fulfill everything that he'd put on their hearts by the word of God to enter into all of what God had for them. But there had to be a holy following the Lord. There had to be an all on the, on the altar. There had to be a man or women that would say, yes, Lord. I'll say, yes, Lord. Wherever that is, whatever that is, I'll say yes to God. And I will function, I will operate in that faith, that promise that has been given to our father of the faith. And when they did, God was never a disappointment. These men wholly followed the Lord. And so when we turn, if you would, tonight, please, for a moment, and we see this other generation that's about to rise up, they have the potential. Since uh, the, the, tonight we have the potential in God to lay hold of the promises of this word, to enter into all that God has for us because his word never changes and God is still the same God today as he's always been and it's faith in God's word and a people that believe the Lord, not just talk about it or not just have an intellectual ability and understanding of it, but actually will enter into what God has. And we read the tie over in this generation. Now this is important tonight because I believe that we're in living in a similar time or a similar spiritual climate. We see there's another generation. I mentioned it this morning, the last wave, the last outpouring of the Holy Spirit on this land or these shores is the outpouring of the Spirit of God in 1949 in Hebrides. But you know, friends, I know there's been outpourings in local settings. There's been moves in the Spirit of God. God has still saved. He's still been moving. But we have seen since that time largely a, a steady decline. We've seen another generation that's rising up that's completely, completely godless. 
Their, their grandfathers or their fathers may have known this Christ and walked with him. But today we see a whole generation that have very little time for God. Actually, they don't even want to retain God in their knowledge. But that doesn't mean it's over. That doesn't mean that that's the end. Just like in the book of Judges, how God would operate and function. Even though they would turn from God, they would forsake the God that loved them, and their enemies would rise up and take over and plummet their land. Yet when there was a man or a woman of faith in the midst, that just took God at his word, claimed the promises of God, laid everything on that altar, and cried out to God, God would come and there would be a great restoration. So we see it here in Judges chapter 1. The sons of the fathers that had seen the great works of the Lord are now going to rise up and they're going to lay hold of the promise and they're going to go in and they're going to fight the good fight of faith. Now we see victory in Judges chapter 1. We see they went in and we see very much similar to Joshua. When they went in, we see that they experienced that great victory. Joshua, Judges sorry, chapter 1 and verse 4 when the Lord had designated Judah to go and to fight, it says there, Judah went up. And then it says these words, and the Lord delivered. Now we see God is moving in his power. The sons have risen up and they're starting to move in. In verse 8, just a brief outline of this, but in verse 8, we see that the children of Judah fought against Jerusalem and they took Jerusalem. In other words, here's the victory. They were starting to function, operate in the faith of their fathers. They were seeing the good hand of the Lord upon them. They were seeing God bringing great deliverance and they were taking the land. In verse 9 and 10, we see that the children of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites that dwelt in the mountain in the south and in the valley. And Judah went against the Canaanites that dwelt in Hebron. And so now we see that they were rising up in the faith and the promises that had been given to their fathers in exactly the same faith. And God was blessing. God was delivering. They were going in. They were taking the land. They were experiencing the blessing of the Lord. At this time in Judges chapter 1, we see that the elders or the older men of faith are still alive. Caleb is here in Joshua 1. And we see that he instructed those that would take Kerjasa. Sephir would take it that he would give his daughter to wife. And so we see again victories that are taking place in the opening chapter. In verse 17, stay with me. We see that Judah went with Simeon, his brother. They slew the Canaanites and inhabited Sephath. And utterly destroyed it. Look, that God was with them. They were seeing the victory of the Lord in their lives. In verse 18, Judah took Gaza, the coaster of an Escalon, and the coaster of an Akron with the coaster of. Now we see that the sons have led hold of the same promise. God said, you enter in, I'll be with you. I'll give you the victory. You enter into this, I'll deliver them into your hand. Why? Because this is my word. This is my covenant. This is my promise. Somebody just needs to lay hold of it. And you'll walk in the faith of your fathers. You'll know me as the same God as I was with Moses. Then I'll also be with you. And then we come the verse 19. This is a key verse. Just there's something changes. Something happens here. 
It tells us there in verse 18 that the Lord took, that Judah took Gaza, the coaster of Ascalon, and the coaster of Akron, and the coaster of, and the Lord was with Judah. That's how the verse opens. And he drove out the, drove, drove out the inhabitants of the mountain. But then it says this line. This is so important here because in the original we know there's not verses. So this could cause some confusion. Because the verse opens with the Lord was with them. And they were driving out the inhabitants of the mountain. But then it says, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley. Because they had chariots of iron. Then we move to verse 20. Look for a second. They give Hebron to Caleb, as Moses said. And there in Hebron, Caleb, one of the elders, he expelled thence the three sons of the Anak. So there we see Caleb is going forth. He's still alive. The giants are being taken down. But something's beginning to happen. And then it says in verse 21, Look now, the change in the whole spiritual climate. And the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem, but the Jebusites dwell with the children of Israel in Jerusalem to this day. Verse 24, we see them there as they go into that city. They saw a man come out of the city. They said unto him, show us the entrance. The man shows him the entrance to the city. They smote the city with the edge of the sword and they let the man go with all his family. But then we see this word neither used for many of the tribes. In verse 27, neither did Manasseh drive out. In verse 29, neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites. In verse 30, neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron. In verse 31, neither did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Akko. In verse 33, neither did Naphtali drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh. In verse 34, the Amorites forced the children of down into the mountain, for they would not suffer them to come down into the valley. Now we're seeing something's changed. We see that there's some victories in some areas, but now we're seeing that there's other areas where they were living in defeat. They could not drive back the enemy. They could not take the places. In that, in that verse, the change in the climate, if you like, in Judges 1 and 19, it says, and the Lord was with Judah. But this part doesn't belong to that verse. It belongs to the previous verse. When Judah took Gaza, the coast, and Ascalon, the coast, and Akron, the coast, the Lord was with Judah. But then it breaks. And right here we see the decline or the departure. But they could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley. Because they had chariots of iron. Now we're starting to see a decline. We're starting to see the departure that the Bible tells us of. In Judges chapter 2. That when they began to forsake the Lord. They weren't operating any longer in the promises of God. Maybe good ideas come in. Maybe different methods began to creep in. Maybe, maybe philosophies began to come. Maybe other gods and other ideas and people got busy or people got comfortable because they had partial possession. In other words, they experienced a certain amount of, of the bounty of what God had promised, but they didn't realize that there was so much more. And so they would sell. They would sell for some things. And they would allow the enemy to keep certain parts of the land because they weren't able to drive them out. Well, friends, this was not God's purpose or God's plan. How do we know? 
We know those chariots speak of the, 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 the power and the might of the enemy. You remember the chariots that Pharaoh's army came after the children of Israel, how God destroyed them. And we see it even in the conquest. If you go back to Joshua chapter 17, when the, when the children of Joseph came up against those chariots, and they talked to Joshua, this man of faith who wholly followed after the Lord. What are we going to do about these chariots? But if you turn back to Joshua chapter 17 and verse 14, we read there of an account and an interaction with one of the fathers of the faith, Joshua, who was a leader to lead the people into this conquest. And it says in verse 14 that the children of Joseph spake unto Joshua, saying, why hast, thou not, why hast thou given me but one lot and one portion to inherit, seeing I am a great people for as much as the Lord has blessed me hitherto? And Joshua answered and said unto them, If thou be a great people, then get thee up to the wood country, cut down for thyself there in the land of the Pezzarites of the giants. If Mount Ephraim be too narrow for thee. And the children of Joseph said, The hell is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites that dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron. I hear they're looking for more, a greater portion of the inheritance. And they come to Joshua, the man of faith. And they're talking about the Canaanites that dwell in the land of the valley, that they have chariots. Both they who are of Bethshean and other towns and her towns, and they who are of the valley of Jezreel. And Joshua listened to Joshua's response. Speak unto the house of Joseph, even to Ephraim and to Manasseh, saying, Thou art a great people, and hast great power. Thou shalt not have one lot only, but the mountain shall be thine, for it is a wood. And thou shalt cut it down, and the outgoings of it shall be thine. For thou shalt drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots, and though they be strong. What Joshua is saying is it matters not about the chariots. It matters not about the strength of the enemy. It matters not about the strongholds that are in the valley. It matters not about the giants that are in the land. It matters not about how great and how mighty they may be. But this is our inheritance. That's what Joshua is saying. There might have been a second thought in the minds of Joseph, of the children of Joseph in the conquest. But they turned to the fathers of the faith and they asked the question, listen, we haven't enough space here. There's too many of us. We need more space. But we can't take that valley because there's chariots of iron and the Canaanites are there. And Joshua is saying, you'll take You'll take the valley. You'll go up against those chariots. You will face that enemy. But God has given us this land and we will trust our God. And we will enter into everything of what he has for us. And so we see in many respects so many similarities to today. We see that there's been such a departure from the word of the Lord. There's been such a departure from the narrow path, from the path of life. We've, we've, we've come to witness that the foundational things of the scripture, of, of, of the Christian faith have been so watered down today. And we see in many respects so many things that were once held dear by the church to be the precious truths of God's word that no longer are even seen or practiced in the church of Jesus Christ. I'm coming to what I mean in a moment. 
We see here that now it's absolutely fine for there to be chariots of iron in the valleys. It's absolutely fine to cohabitate with the enemy and the strongholds of wickedness that so many people battle with and go through life with. Yet that's not God's purpose for the child of God. And today we've seen an explosion of so many ministries trying to deal with these things. And friends, this Tonight, what's so important for us is that we come back to the simplicity of the cross of Jesus Christ, the power that's in the blood of Jesus to cleanse a man from all sin, that he is able to deliver and set men and women free completely, that he's able to break every chain and set the prisoner free. He can break the drug addict, the chains of a drug addict. He can break the chains of an alcoholic. He can set every prisoner free. Whatever the addiction, whether it's immorality, whatever it may be. But we have a gospel, a cross and a blood and a Savior up in glory that's able to set every prisoner free. It's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But today, in some way, there has been a subtle change in the believing that that no longer is the case. That we have to work up or work through or try to work something out in order to be saved. But the Bible does not tell us that. And so we see with the children of Israel that in Judges chapter 2 and verse 1 that the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt. I've brought you into the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said... I will never break my covenant with you. I will never break my word. My word is true. And ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars, but ye have not obeyed my voice. And the angel of the Lord says, Why have you done this? Wherefore I said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare unto you. If ever there was a truer word said of the age in which we live, we are seeing today that the enemy has become a thorn in the side, and their gods has been a snare unto many, even in the church of Jesus Christ today. We should be in no doubt of the days in which we're living in. I'm coming to this in a moment. We should be in no doubt the days in which we have come to. Paul writing to Timothy tell us what these days will be. In 2 Timothy 3 and 1, read it. He says, and this is largely to do within even the context of the church. This know also that in the last days perilous times will come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Paul's writing to the church of what it will be like in the last days. Here we see the angel of the Lord standing before the children of Israel, 
I've done so much for you as a people. I brought you out. I led you forth. I've given you my promise. I swear that I will bring you into the land that I promised you. And I would drive out your enemies. But you must follow my way. But you've not done that. And now you, these gods of this world have become thorns in your sides. And a snare unto you. Friends, and in the context of that. Then we're seeing now that this other generation that rises up, another generation that knew not the great works of the Lord, they began to depart from the faith. Yes, there was a form of godliness. Yes, they were still Israel. They were God's people. But now they're living, cohabitating with the enemy when God had told them, I've given you that land. The land that I promised the enemy was possessing or inhabiting certain parts of it. And even in this world in which we're living today and the hour in which we've come, there's been such a departure from the faith. But the encouraging thing about the book of Judges is this, that in that book, God would raise up men and women. We read the stories of these great judges, that men would rise up, young men would rise up. They would see the despair. They would see the falling away. They would see the wickedness. They would see the enemy laying hold of them as the enemy would come in and plummet their land and take their harvest. But there was men in the midst of that that would cry from the depths of their heart, where are the mighty miracles that our fathers have told us about? Is it all over? Is there, is there a God that's real that we can trust today that he can give us the victory? And they would rise up in the arms of faith and in the power of the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of the Lord would come upon them and there was another generation but that generation within it there was a people that seen the opportunity for faith to function again like God had called them to. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 I want you to listen to this. If any man be in Christ we know these verses so well. He's a new creature. All things, they pass away and all things are become new. This is known as the born again experience. It is an experience and it is a miracle. But when it happens in a heart, you see, we are born delivered. There is a full deliverance in Christ. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. All things pass away, but all things become new. The Bible says, and this is the word of the Lord, if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. We're talking about the born again experience tonight. We're not talking about religion. We're not talking about being half born. We're not talking about coming to church and then being living for the devil every other day of the week. We're talking about a new life in Jesus Christ. If the Son makes you free, the Bible says you're free indeed. I want to tell you, friends, it doesn't matter how many chariots are in the valley. It doesn't matter how many addictions you have. It doesn't matter how low you've gone. It doesn't matter how dark your pit is. But if Jesus Christ sets you free, then the Bible says that you're free indeed. 
Praise God tonight. We have a gospel for a lost and a dying world. We have an answer for the drug addict. We have an answer for the alcoholic. We have an answer for the prostitute. We have an answer for all those that are held captive by the power of sin in this day. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. He sets the captive free. He breaks the chains of sin. He opens the prison door. Praise God tonight. It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see in the Bible, the Bible tells us that we shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon us and we'll be witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ even to the uttermost parts of the earth. The baptism in the Holy Ghost, the power of God in a life A believer comes to Christ, saved by the grace of God. There is a baptism in the Holy Ghost to empower that individual for service unto the great King. There is a baptism in the Holy Spirit. There is the new birth that there is found only in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so we understand as we look at the type and the spiritual principles of the old, we see today that we've come to a place that no longer do we accept fully the Word of God? I know this is a this is something that people would say, no, no, we accept it all. But the reality of the practice of the new birth in Jesus Christ, the reality of the, the delivering power of Jesus to fully set a man free, this is called being born again. And friends, we need to see the reality of God. We need to be a people that believe in the full counsel of God, the Word of God, that God God sets the prisoners. This is the only answer for this world. There's not much point getting them in to come to meetings after meetings and sit lost and might enjoy the songs and might enjoy the company, but still die and go to a lost eternity. It's the power of God to set the prisoner free. It's the new birth in Jesus Christ. That's the answer. But it's going to take a Caleb and a Joshua to lay hold of the truth of God's Word and to preach the cross, to preach the blood, and to believe God that this is the only answer. Friends, there's not much point filling a church with a thousand people and a thousand decisions. But friends, give us ten men and women born again of the Spirit of the living God, set on fire by the power of the Holy Ghost. That is the answer for our nation. We can fill churches and entertain people, but friends, that is not what we are called to see and called to do. We must see people born of the Spirit of God. We must see men and women born of the Spirit of God. We must see our young people truly set free by the power of God and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, we cannot, we cannot compromise. Otherwise, we enter in to defeat and the enemy becomes a thorn in our flesh and there are places that we see no deliverance. We know from God's Word that faith Faith, faith alone is receiving everything of what God has given. 
Everything of what Christ has done for us on the cross is received by faith to wholly follow after the Lord. Then judges would rise up on the basis of God's word and see great moves of the Spirit of God and revivals to a backslidden world. These judges would be raised up. In Hebrews chapter 11, it mentions some of these men. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 32 says, And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, and of Jephthah. Here's the judges being mentioned as in the midst of the the depravity and the apostasy and the darkness. These men and women would rise up. They would lay hold of the promises of God. They would believe God for the impossible. Why would we limit God? Why would we bring God down to our human level? Why not tonight, friends, with a fresh faith in our hearts, simply say, we serve an amazing, almighty God, and there isn't anything too hard for Him. Why do we not speak over our loved ones, even though they're dead in sin, and they look as though they have no interest in the things of God? But we believe in a God that hears and answers prayer, that in a moment God can touch that heart, and that heart can be changed by the power of a living God. Friends, why do we not believe God again for the impossible? He's the God of the impossible. Faith is not believing for the possible. Faith is believing for the impossible that our God, who He said He is, He is, and He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. The book of Judges is a book that records men and women in another generation. But they took the opportunity of faith and they rose up with nothing else but faith in God and God responded with his great deliverance power. Will we be a people? Will you be a man? Will you be a woman that will simply today, tonight, Simply said, I'm going to believe God. You know, I've seen all that the enemy's doing. We've seen all the strongholds of wickedness. We've seen all the suicide that we want to see. We've seen all the drug addiction that we want to see. We've seen all the alcoholism that we want to see. We've seen all the immoral living that we want to see. The devil's had his day. He's beat his drums. He's done his thing. And he as the church of the living God. Surely now, surely this time, surely this is is the moment that in the midst of our generation, yes, man will wax worse and worse, but we can believe God like these judges that in our day, we can lay hold of God's word, God's promises. We can believe the Lord and we can believe his word and we can believe for God to do great things in our day. It takes faith to receive those promises, but it takes a heart that's willing to step out in faith to believe God for that which is impossible. Without faith, it's impossible to believe God, for to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Friends, tonight, I encourage as we close that we would lay hold of God and lay hold of the promises. Let us not pull back. Let us not faint. Let us not accept defeat. Let us not accept that the chariots are there to stay, but let us believe 
that we are here to see the chariots shifted and God moved by his power in Ballinahinch and around these towns all around us. This land needs a move of God, but God's looking for a couple of people that will wholly follow him and say, friend, God, tonight we'll take you at your word and we're going to believe you no matter what's happening. Thank God tonight that he's more than able. Let's pray as we close. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, I just ask, Lord, that these few words that have been spoken, Lord, from this heart tonight, Lord, that we'd find good ground. Your seed would be planted. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. But, Lord, may these hearts respond fully, fully to you tonight, Lord, to believe you for this day, to believe you for Ballin a Hinch, to believe you for Down Patrick and Castle Wellham, Lord, to believe you, Lord, for Anna Long and Kilkeel and for Lisburn. Lord, to believe you, Lord, for, for all these towns around us, for St. Field, for carried off right down into the city of Belfast. Lord, we're praying, oh God, tonight, Lord, let us not compromise your truth. Lord, let us believe your word. I thank you, Lord, tonight that this gospel is the power of God. Oh, it is the dynamite power of a living God to reach into lives and to change them, Lord. May we not dilute it, water it down. Forgive us, Lord, for what we have done. Lord, we come back to you with a whole heart tonight to say, God, we believe your word and your word we will stand on even in this hour. Lord, as we see the darkness and the wickedness of men, thank God there's still a gospel that saves men and sets them free. Lord, encourage us in the faith tonight. I pray that you'd fill us all with the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, that we would go out, Lord, in the power of the Spirit of the living God. And Lord, to preach the gospel to every man and every woman. Lord, we give you the glory tonight in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening tonight. We trust the Lord that we'll see um, hopefully a good number of you on Wednesday night for prayer. And we just pray the Lord's blessing upon everyone. Amen. Thank you for listening again. Praise the Lord.